I am Kevin Griffin. This is the Dharma in Recovery class, monthly class, second Friday of each month. Um, and I can't believe that it's only been a month since I've been here. Sometimes a month can seem like a very long time, apparently, because it seems like a long time since I've been here. Um, and boy, this week, I don't know, did anybody else experience it's winter now? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And I don't dislike winter. It's more like winter dislikes me. I just immediately went into a bad mood. It's like, I got to change my medication, man. <laughs> uh, my meditation. Uh, mm, yeah. Is there a bell around? Oh, I'm going to need this. Hold on. Okay. So, um,. Yeah, this is a monthly class that uh, explores the intersection between Buddhism and the Twelve Steps and and recovery in general. And uh, I, last month I was quoting from these, and I just got some copies of them. They're called the Akron the Akron pamphlets. These are available from the Akron uh, AA um, group. Akron, Ohio, and um, which was the first meeting, and uh, they send you these five pamphlets that were written uh, early on. Before they were, it says they were completed by 1950, but some of them were early 40s. There's a guide to the Twelve Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, a manual for Alcoholics Anonymous, second reader for Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, AA Speaker's Manual. <laughs> this is great. It's like tells you how to be a speaker at a meeting. So, you're going to lead a meeting, says, says the heading. And then it starts talking. Says, be brief. <laughs> and then there's a paragraph, and it says, be brief. And then there's a paragraph, be brief. Uh, be brief, be and be brief. Uh, be brief, don't criticize, sit down, and pick out, sit down. <laughs> After that, and at the end it says, the Lord's Prayer. Okay, get rid of that. We don't accept that. Sorry, I know, that's disrespectful, but you know, that's how I roll. This, on the other hand, spiritual milestones. Some of you may have, was anybody here last month? Because it was like, nobody was here, you guys. Not many people were here. Well then, I'm going to read this again, so people who have been listening to these talks online will say, I heard that last month. Um, Spiritual Milestones in Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, In here, uh, so one of the sections, it says, uh, It would be nice if God were a stately old gentleman, benign with a long gray beard, clothed in flowing white gowns, seated on a golden throne, surrounded by angels and archangels. But unfortunately, it is not as simple as that. Okay, well, that's encouraging, you know, that they they don't think it's that simple. Further, it says, The spiritual life is by no means a Christian monopoly. There is not an ethical religion in the world today that does not teach to a great extent the principles of love, charity, and goodwill. 
And then it goes on to talk about Judaism and Islam. And then, consider the eight-part program laid down in Buddhism. Right view, right aim, right speech, right action, right living, right effort, right mindedness, for right mindfulness, and right contemplation. The Buddhist philosophy, as exemplified by these eight points, could be literally adopted by A as a, as a substitute for or in addition to the 12 steps. The Eightfold Path could be a substitute for the 12 steps according to Dr. Bob, who was the person who, he did not write these, but he asked the person who wrote them, who was a journalist, to write them. He told, them what he, he told them what he wanted to write. That's interesting to me. Dr. Bob, if you aren't familiar at all with AA history, was one of the co-founders of Alcoholics Anonymous. And there has been some mythology about him that he was really a born-again Christian and that he believed that you had to accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior to get sober, and, and this pretty much disproves that. So what's interesting to me, we'll do that later, is that... From this and some other things I've been exposed to, this was uh, I was introduced to this through uh, someone that, um, who had me out to a retreat in Arizona recently, uh, who uh, really has been exploring a lot of the uh, archives, and he's been reading a lot of uh, Bill Wilson's letters as well, and he was sharing with me some of the stuff, and, and essentially what this and the and the Bill's letters really reveal is the open-mindedness that was there and the sense of exploration and interest in, in spirituality rather than religion from the early members and founders of AA, which is, of course, the root 12-step program. And what it strikes me that what's happened over time is that the program has become more Christian and, and that there's always been an assumption that the founders that's where they were at, or something. Like, oh, well, that's why it says God, and that's what it means when it says... And so we start to read this and realize that really that was an assumption that people made. And in a typical way, things... You know, spiritual leaders and founders often are very open-minded and kind of... I mean, you know, there's kind of that kind of awakening that then what, as it gets kind of passed along, often it gets kind of narrow gets more narrow. We see that in, in probably most religions historically. So, um, so it's just really interesting for me think, thinking that, uh, that the work I do and that the whole sort of Buddhist recovery theme and movement uh, is, actually has a foundation in, in the early members, the founders, that it's not some radical thing that we're doing here. It's just another uh, way of exploring recovery. I, I mean, I, I said l- last month, I think, when I read this, that uh, I'm not sure I would even make that claim that the Eightfold Path could be a substitute for the 12 Steps. I, I think you need... Because th- in some sense, Step 1 is the part that might be missing from the Eightfold Path. Uh, although... There's a way you could tease it out of there. Um, anyway, I, I just am finding that really interesting, uh, interesting to share with people because it's, it's uh, pretty neat.
So um, the, what we do at this class is we uh, sit in meditation for a period of time, about 30 minutes. And then uh, if there are some questions about meditation, we can discuss that. And then a little break, and then uh, I will give some sort of talk, which will be uh, centered on the step of the month, and this being the easiest one for uh, someone to talk about who's into meditation. It's the 11th month. So um, just settle into a comfortable meditation posture, uh, hopefully in a way that you can sit still and that you can be alert and uh, uncomfortable. This is such a lovely bell. Let's, Let's begin by listening to the bell. seat, arriving in your body, arriving in this moment. Breathing and relaxing, noticing the alignment of your body so that you're sitting in a way that you can be alert, comfortable, balanced. Relaxing. I like to begin by relaxing the muscles in the face, the jaw, the eyes and forehead. Relaxing the shoulders. Softening the belly. Letting the chest be open. Having a sense of the whole body sitting as a single object. Seeing that within that single object there are many different sensations happening at once.
feeling the body breathing. What do you notice within the body? Any particular sensations or energies at any point in the body? (coughs) Places of particular distinct sensation. Places of discomfort or places of pleasant sensation. Is there some experience you can identify as a mood or emotion when we start to look closely the distinction between sensation and emotion can be difficult to discern Is there any holding or sense of being closed in any part of the body? If so, see if you can soften and breathe into that place, opening yourself, even if there's a sense of vulnerability. As you feel the body breathing, starting to focus on a more narrow area of sensation. It's suggested that we pay attention to the breath at the nostrils, where the air comes in and out, or at the belly as it rises and falls. Letting one of these points, one of these places, be the central focus and really the home home base for your meditation. Beginning there and returning there whenever the mind wanders.
if you can bring the attention in very close to the details of sensation with the breath. It's natural that the mind will wander. So when you notice that happening, just acknowledge that. Maybe make a note of the thought itself, what's going on. And then come back to the breath, settling again into that simple rhythm of breathing, not trying to accomplish anything. Just gently training the mind to return to the present moment. Trust this process. You can't make your mind stop or your body settle. But if you stick with the process as best you can, a natural calming will happen, a natural opening. We can't force it or demand that it happen on our time frame. 
In fact, the more we trust the process, the easier it will be, the more easily it will unfold. Notice the ways you judge or grade your meditation and let go of that. Just come back to this, to this breath and this body. Notice what your body does when you lapse into judging and planning and thinking, the tension that often arises. Soften, soften that tension, let go of that tension in the body. Over and over we return to the breath. Over and over we soften. That's our practice. Nothing more.
So I'd just like to open it up for any questions about meditation practice that people may have. If you're new to practice or uh, just encountered any challenges, any doubts, concerns. Yeah, um, a couple of classes ago, I uh, reported that I was having trouble getting past a blockage, a blocked feeling when I move up the chakras in meditation. And you made a couple of suggestions that proved to be very helpful. One was that um, instead of going from the belly up, I should focus right on the throat where the choking sensation was mm-hmm. manifesting. And when I did that, I soon realized that where the issue was, it was in my sinuses, and I could deal with that, and that was <laughs> liberating. But the other thing was that you said that because it was in the throat chakra, it could be related to how I express myself. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to carry that sort of out of my meditation into the daily trying to be mindful about softening mm-hmm. uh, my communications, or how mm-hmm. I feel about communications. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a life practice, but it's very yeah. useful. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about becoming a psychic reader. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, good, I'm glad that was helpful. I, I've started to wonder if Asking people to, if they have questions immediately after meditation isn't really the best time. Uh, everybody's kind of calmed down and uh, you probably forgot what you were thinking about. Hopefully you forgot what you were thinking about during the meditation. You just let it all go. So I'm okay if there are no questions. There's a question. See, I knew as, long, as soon as I was okay with it, then uh, in the back, you want to give him the mic? Max, thanks. Uh, yeah, I, um, when I'm meditating, I have trouble staying or getting to that place. Rarely when I do, I will find myself losing it again, and I'll forgive myself, and I'll get back there. But when I am there, it seems like I can get deeper. This sounds kind of strange. If I roll my my eyes back. Uh-huh. If you roll your eyes back, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's okay. Yeah, that's okay. That's, uh, I, I, I had a non-Buddhist teacher teach me to do that a long time ago. Uh, and sometimes... Sometimes my, that happens naturally. I'm sure there's other people who have that experience. It, it's, it is associated, I think it's associated with, the, we're getting into all the chakras tonight, with the third eye, with rolling your eyes back so that your eyes are like looking at this point. Um, but it does seem to, at times, I mean, it's not, another one of those things, it's not, it's not uh, infallible, but at times it can kind of somehow bring things to a kind of halt or you know, quiet things down. So, you know, whatever works, everything is temporary. So uh, if, if, if it happens and it's useful, it's fine. 
Is it comfortable to do? Yeah, very. Yeah, good. Anybody else do that? Find themselves doing that, rolling their eyes back? Okay, it might be like one of those old school new age things because I learned it back in like 1982 from a kind of new agey teacher. So, I don't know. Everybody can try it if they want. If your eyes get stuck, don't blame me. (laughs) I'm sure there's some, like, whole thing around that that somebody does, but anyway. All right, well, let's take a break, and we'll come back and talk about Step 11. I just want to actually let me say two things before we take a break. One is... Presumably we are all here with somewhat of a shared purpose uh, kind of in recovery and trying to explore the Dharma in some way. Uh, so please be friendly with each other. Uh, I would recommend you know, greeting someone you don't know who's sitting near you. Um, and the other thing is just to remind you that I am supported in this class entirely by your donations. So if at any time you want to uh, give uh, some support, there are baskets out there. You can do that during the break or at the end of the class or not at all. Uh, There are also some of my CDs and books for sale. Music. So we will uh, come back in about 10 minutes. Thanks. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.